Alright, and welcome back to The Price for Paradise. My name's Woody, a.k.a. Creston Woods, and with me today, bringing back another old friend, a repeat, but he's got a lot of wealth of knowledge. We want to bring him back in again, TJ Houchin. What's hey up, there. brother? Hey, thanks for having me, Woody. Glad to be back on. Yeah, no, I mean, every time I talk to TJ, I learn something valuable, like, in the gym. Right I, see his a- I see his athletes doing crazy stuff, <laughs> and I just, like, want to give you guys some of that, you know, knowledge, and, you know, so we can talk this things through, because, I mean, a lot of people need to hear some of this stuff, because logically, in their minds, they might not put it together the way that it actually works scientifically. Yeah, and also, I think just having a lot of experience and something, a lot of time spent, especially if it's something you love doing, you're going to have a little bit different perspective and even if someone has less experience i still want to hear theirs because it often molds you know to mine and that's why i love talking to you too you have a lot of experience in things that are a little bit outside of my realm that i like learning more about and i'm starting to apply more in my life so appreciate you having me on dude hopefully we can collab on that yeah and uh i hope you're not a little tight in your chest right now we have this neuromuscular re-education going we're stimming his chest before his chest workout I feel like a spider-man villain or something <laughs> i'm all hooked up right now yeah tj is fascinated by all the biohacking stuff too so i figured we'd do this podcast while we're you know getting worked on and getting some recovery work in and that's actually stemming into my first question um hmm. where uh like how do we get our athletes back to sport faster and what can we do when we're injured to hmm. help not lose ground on our competitors and our other, you know, teammates while we're hurt? Good question. Like I always say, there's a lot of ways we can go with this one. Uh, One thing when I think about injury is what are we trying to come back from? So you were injured for a reason. It could have been something freak, you know, accident that happened. It could have been wear and tear over time. could have been a weakness or a pattern that you do that we could make a little more, you know, a little more proper movement and you know, resist that injury. And so one thing I like to try to do is get my athletes um, to focus on what are the adaptations are required for your sport? What are the specific requirements? Like if you play football compared to if you play volleyball, you're not going to have the same requirements, right? Um, So leading in with that, which part of injury do you want to explore first? Uh, So when you do get injured, yeah, I was going to say like, when do you, like, where do you start with that? Like, mm. what, what do you use as like, do you use it as an awareness tool to figure out the root cause first? So you fix that or do you fix the injury first and go to it? I think you can do them both at the same time. It's just something we need to be thinking about as you're going through your PT process, maybe reviewing the film of yourself playing your sport. It's always good to see the eye in the sky. They always say the eye in the sky doesn't lie because you can look back at the film and see how you move and operate. Um, but one thing you want to do is get back to your base movements, get back to your, you know, how do I hinge at the hips? How did my knee bend? How did my ankle isolate that specific spot? See what we can do to come back. If it's a severe, severe injury, one thing I always encourage people to do is work upper body. If you have a knee injury, you know, don't give up on keeping yourself in shape. Also that mindset will stay and you'll actually have a better chance recovering and coming back and not being completely sore and shot out when you. And not to mention all those like hormone responses you get Mm -hmm. from working out, right. That could help. Uh, speed up the healing process for the lower body right mm, and so absolutely. yeah like if you're releasing free testosterone your body's going to repair better you know and so doing nothing and just sitting at mm-hmm. home is stagnation is not helpful like, that absolutely is not and yeah it's almost more like you should say what shouldn't we do because there's so many ways to go about it depending on the situation and it always sounds like a roundabout answer i think with us because the point of a lot of this is there isn't one answer to, to do this, no. right? Each human is very different. Situations are dynamic, you know? And so the best way to approach it is with an open mind. And I do think a lot of it comes with believing in yourself and knowing the things you're doing are actually valuable for helping. So like an example I would use for your last point would be sleeping. I see guys come in all the time, jump in the cold tub, right? I, I respect they're doing biohacking things. They're working hard on that. 
but I know they ate Taco Bell before they came in. They slept for three hours the night before. <laughs> so like we're putting a bandaid on a gash instead of take care of the little things, you know, really realize what, what can we, we can do a ton of things to impact ourselves. We all make our choices, right? Figure out the ones that you should prioritize and execute. Them. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Like a prioritization of the right things. Right. Yeah. And so sleeping foundationally, like yeah. the number one thing. Yeah. So regardless of, you know, the supplements, the ice baths, the saunas, the yeah. red lights, all great, all great. But if you don't sleep, mm -hmm. none of them have as much, if not any effect. I have an athlete that wasn't drinking water, Woody. I didn't understand this. Your body's made of 80% water. It, it wasn't something that I thought I had to go over. That's one of the things that I realized you need to check in on everything. Like, hey, well, how's your water intake? You know, I thought it would be silly to, oh, I don't really drink water. What? I couldn't believe that. No wonder we're not gaining weight and you feel terrible every day when you're in here. And, you know, the same kid as not his fault. You know, it's, it's wherever you learn it from, but has gained seven pounds of muscle since drinking water, <laughs> sleeping, eating a little closer to his calorie surplus. And it's just it's three simple little things we did. And it changed something he's been working on for a couple of years and has been unsuccessful, you know, just doing those couple things, being open-minded to him. Yeah. And so when you get injured, how do you make the mindset switch? Mm. Um, because I know it's definitely debilitating when you tear a hamstring or you fall on a hike. I mean, just mm. using my own things, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's just list all, <laughs> let's just list all my injuries over time. But yeah, so like it's debilitating. And yeah. so like, what would you say to that athlete, like, uh, about using that you know, to your advantage, um, that downtime to do something, you know, useful with it. See, and I, I think I'm a good person to ask this question because I've had a ton of injuries actually that impacted my performance, me being able to play my sport. And I will say I came back relatively well from all of them. Um, and there's always times where you have those doubts and you really are, you're in the dumps. It's knowing that's okay and bouncing back and getting your mindset right to where do I want to be? What is a goal I can set? So the doctor said he wants me walking, example for my knee injury, wants me walking in three weeks. Uh, by week two, if I'm doing everything I'm supposed to, I might see if I feel good and test it out. I want to push it a little, right? I'm not going to go re-injure myself, risk reward there, right? But having the mindset that I'm going to continue to get better, positive thinking about it. I think that all, it's it's just like having positive, um, positive body language, having positive self-talk. It impacts the way you perform. Yeah. And I think that uh, like getting back to injury is, or from injury as mm -hmm. fast as possible is what gets a lot of athletes further along in their athletic careers. Mm -hmm. Like if you are down for, half a year a year like you could be missing out on all like a year's worth of repetitions in the middle of exactly. your prime and that is it is foundational you got to make sure you get back as fast as possible 100 percent. and then i will add on to that i'm sure you know it too but to double down as fast as possible ready for the adaptations of your sport um yeah. great example literally last night another trainer friend of mine really bright guy he has a young kid i love the kid's attitude he has a torn acl he's in there hitting upper body and the next day he comes in and does his pt rehab stuff you know his recovery right back to upper body cardio he's killing it but he really wants to play volleyball this spring i think he's two months out from his acl surgery love the mindset but he's like never played volleyball. He was a basketball player and he's a senior. He wants a chance to continue on, right? That's really cool. I respect that. But really, if we encourage him to get out as fast as we could, we probably could push him to feel good and jump a little bit. He goes out there and hurts himself. You know, what? what's he going to do the next year? Even though this is his last chance really to play, there's always club, there's always recreational, but, you know, tearing the same ACL twice is pretty detrimental. So Dude, yeah. it all depends where you're at, you know? But if, if, I, if it was your love, you love volleyball, you have one more chance to play it, 
I think it's a different situation. Maybe you consider some other avenues, you know? I was an all-in kind of guy. So, like, mm-hmm. if it was me, I would be like, do whatever I can to play the game. Agreed. Yeah. Even if it was, like, <laughs> I was at D2 baseball. I mean, like, you know, like, yeah. the thing doesn't look like I'm making it to the pros, but I'm still going to give it that till, you know, the last straw, 100%. right? Like, and yeah. so I know most kids are like that, and especially if they love their sport. Yeah, and it's it comes down to that. And I'm one of the people that can speak to the opposite side of that as well, where, I was going to tryouts. I was still, you know, training like a football player, hoping something would come, reaching out to agents. And uh, I just broke my cheekbone eye socket and jaw. You know that. But that was a seven and a half month life change where they told me that half of my face was going to be paralyzed. Um, I likely was going to have swelling over there for most of my life. Uh, Right now, it's very numb and tingly on certain spots. It's still paralyzed. But most of it, if you notice, it's hard to tell. I can't even tell. uh, That's partly from having a good mindset, a good doctor, and like working really hard at silly things like the rehab. I was probably doing more cheat rehab than any patient in the (laughs) history. You know what I mean? Like smiling and talking to myself in the mirror. Um, And also, I go, you know, I'm very lucky. So part of it's the hard work and the open mind. But sometimes it's like, what's the risk? What's the reward? Yeah. People don't even think about the at. face muscles. Like, no, exactly. People don't think about their eye muscles, their face muscles. Mm-hmm. They, they, you can flare your nostrils. There are so many different mm-hmm. things that are going on in the human body and you can rehab yeah. them all. Exactly. And, yeah. and my eye, eyelids still twitch on my left side where I had the surgery and stuff like that, which shows I still have nerves coming back. And I would like to think I'm a pretty healthy individual. Uh, I work really hard on these things and I don't know what's it been for four years. So some things t- are going to take time is the other thing. You can't you can't rush something that's not going to be ready. But, you know, having an open mind to it just follows. I followed some athletes that went through way more gruesome injuries than me or like uh, veterans, you know, and things like that where I go, okay, <laughs> I'm feeling bad for myself right now because I can't go catch an inflated ball. I love doing that, but there's a lot of you know, less lucky people out there. So I'm going to take advantage and help as many people as I can and get back to try to trying to be a beast, I guess, you know. Yeah, definitely. And I, I saw you posted something on, on your story on Instagram the other day that it brought up a conversation with us. And uh, yeah, can you remind me? Oh, what we're, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the other day I was looking at Instagram and I saw a clip of um, it said PTs like this think that they can help you avoid injuries from impacts like this. And it's showing some very popular physical therapy pages of guys that I, I respect a lot. Um, and then it showed a clip of the Los Angeles Rams tight end catching a ball over the middle um, where he got hit in the knee, hyperextended his knee, his foot was still stuck in the turf. It was a terrible, like gruesome play to watch, right? But I, you know, was very frustrated because I looked at it and thought you're exploiting one very popular PTs who actually have good information and discounting what they have to say based on this one thing, as well as you're exploiting this athlete who works their whole life. They may get paid millions of dollars, but they earn that position. You watch them, right? Yeah. You're putting his video up. So, you know, to play football and gets a gruesome injury in front of his family, friends, team. And it's not like this guy hasn't been doing the prehab work and like he's a exactly. professional football player. Like right. you're exploiting an injury on a guy that does the work and mm-hmm. doesn't have these actual issues For that your, your, your client might have. Mm, exactly. Right? Well, and then what I found funny about that is that he's highlighting things that the prehab guys and, and people like that are putting for return to exercise, exercise, not return to NFL <laughs> football full speed, right? And that's a different thing. And yes, the main thing I got out of it was that, but I'm a very black, not black and white, gray area person. I realized that he has a point though. The specific adaptations of football, like the little, you'll see me do single leg lateral hops and stick the landing, stick the landing over and over again at the bottom with my kids. That's base work. We're building that up so that when we go do the huge impacts, they have a little more stability and they can go for it and feel it during their sport and during our intense drills. And so I, I was 
annoyed by that, but I go, you know what? He does have a point. There's no way to really prepare for those things, but also knocking all the little things that could potentially build a foundation. To me, that fired me up. Do you get what I'm saying? That that, that sum up our combo. Well, did it, yeah. Did it like, uh, draw your attention though? Like, cause like, cause I mean, like, are we, are we using like, is that good marketing? (laughs) Because it, you know, it got your attention and then you also pulled out the good points out of it, even though it may not have been the way you would want it to be done. It mm-hmm. worked. I agree. But I would also say that I don't think 99% of the people took it that way when I was watching. Yeah. They you're, were you're only just like a guy that knows the, the background. Yeah. yeah. They were either completely defending the PT side of things and not understanding that he has a point about if you go to hurdle a guy in the air and get hit, there's not really a ton of ways to practice for that mm-hmm. in a live situation with pads on and things like that. But at the same time, those little base movements are important. So you have people arguing both sides where I go. You know, I didn't like that it was for exploitation of views. And I think that's a big problem in our industry. So that's something well, that's I, a social I media put my problem, right? Yeah. Maybe we'll put that on here and we'll put, <laughs> put the clip to this audio so I can yeah, definitely. exploit it double time. Yeah. I mean, uh, so then talk to me about how, you know, we're both creators on mm-hmm. social media. So how do we get views and, you know, give out good information to people and not, exploit you know bad things that Mm. you know cause controversy like controversy does get views absolutely i would say not being black and white saying this is how it is one thing we know in our industry things change and people's egos are so involved that i think they're afraid to be wrong where i i definitely had something that i'm change my opinion on I'm later. wrong all the time but you yeah. know what i respect someone so much more when they could change their opinion they're open-minded and then when they put their foot down on why they believe something you're more apt to understand and believe them plus Say it from your own point of view, like your own conviction from experience that you've had. And then that's actually value you're passing to other people. You're not worried about getting the views, the likes, and the notoriety. You're worried about actually providing value for others, hopefully, or just talking your ass off, which I feel like I do at times as well. So. Yeah, yeah, we're on a podcast. You know, talk my ass <laughs> off all the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's pull it out of that. Uh, but I, I do actually, we did talk a little bit about prehab. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering like if you're going into a sport right and you know the demands of your sport should you be doing prehab work like in that foundational like knee hab and different knees over toe stuff and like is that like just should be automatically in your program yes and i i 100 think it just gives you also body awareness the prehab people always think of the the knee injury or I'm, this is going to prevent that injury it's also going to show me the difference between okay i'm hyperextending my knee oh my hip shoots back that's a habit i have so i need yeah. to keep my hips under me it's better like neuromuscular it's control neuromuscular control exactly and just overall awareness which is going to benefit athleticism right uh, and you and i have talked about this before but there's some guys in town that they knock like the agility ladder they rip on it they they make fun of drills where they're like this isn't a this is a cone drill this isn't going to help in a sport there's no one coming after you it's like I don't have anyone coming after me during a back squat because that's not the purpose of what we're going for there. Yeah. Or else I'd have people trying to tackle me while I run around doing cleans. It doesn't make much sense. <laughs> um, so it's use the tool for what it is. So prehab can be helpful for people that need more awareness. Some people I see come in really lackadaisical and I'm going to give them extra high pace prehab rehab. I see guys like me come in a little high strong. I'm going to have them do rotations, maybe some more slow mobility and really dial them in. So it could be for a lot of different purposes, at least in my training. Um, I know you probably utilize it for your own. What, what's your main purpose? Uh, I mean, my population is may not be like all completely athletes, right? And so a lot of people are just like everyday stuff, but that prehab for knee health, prehab for shoulder health, like all the major joint places can be foundational for every, everyone's life, right? Like, like like unlocking the hip flexors because you've been sitting at 90 degrees all day long is going to be, you know, night and day, your health is going to go 
through the roof. Yeah. And so I do think that they're all, you know, needed for even if you're not an athlete prehab. But I do sometimes see people doing a lot of the prehab work and not doing some of the major lifting. And so like <laughs> yeah. we need to do like heavy squats. We need to do those things too. If you're an athlete, you can't just do prehab work. Uh, it's not going to give your body enough stimulus to grow and respond in, with speed and with mm -hmm. like athleticism, right? The 100%. prehab work is complementary to your major program exactly and a lot of them i put in there for activation purposes of finding that connection right of the main thing we're working on for the day or if i know this athlete has a weakness uh with their knee valgus right we can go into that all day about how it's not bad for you okay i'm trying to put them in the optimal position regardless so if they have a lot of knee valgus i want them to hinge at their hips and load a little more i'll put them in positions where they're challenged with that to start so then when we go to jump then i make them aware of it right it's also communicating with them what we're trying to do otherwise it's just 15 minutes of going through the reps, you know, uh, I wouldn't do it if, if I didn't think it was, you know, purposeful. It's, it's one of the most annoying parts to plan for people because it takes a lot of thinking, yeah. but there's a lot of creativity that comes with it and can really benefit your workouts. So if you aren't doing prehab rehab, what I will say, if you're at Elevate or you see me at Legendary in Scottsdale, not when I'm out and about, but <laughs> yeah. feel free to DM me. Um, I'm going to make put that on for Woody too. I'm going to offer without asking him. We'll send you some prehab rehab stuff to course, get you yeah. ready to roll for your session. Tell us what you want to work on. Yeah, let us know. We'll send you a PDF of things that you can do to help, yeah. you know, strengthen up the joints. And so you just move and feel better. Exactly. And uh, you mentioned jumping and plyometrics. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm a big, you know... I want to be into more plyometrics. No, I, I was going to say I'm a big ply. I used to be a big plyometrics yeah. guy when I was playing sports, and now I've been, you know, doing the long distance stuff. And I, I really want to get back to some of that explosiveness. And so, mm. um, can you talk to me about some of the foundational principles of plyometrics and what I should be, I guess, doing to help get a more explosive jump and mm -hmm. help my gait? Definitely. Absolutely. Well, I think a lot of people think of plyometrics and the first thing they think of, what would your guess be? Uh, box jumps. Box jumps. And I was going to ask, is there a proper way to do a box jump? Because you saw me the other day doing box jumps and well, I want to know if I was doing them right. Well, yeah, there's a lot of different versions, right? Yeah. And depends what you're doing it for. Like, if you're doing it as a power lifter, there may be times where you want to do it without your arms. But if you're an athlete, I want to optimize that arm swing and get you as much force production as possible. Yeah. So that's just an example. It depends, right? But uh, I thought your box jump's great. Box jump technically is not a plyo. Um, yeah. If we're going to be geeks here, because I know someone yeah. out there is just <laughs> breathing heavy, waiting for that to be said. <laughs> Flox jump is not technically a plyometric, so a lot of plyos, it's got to be more reactive, um, more immediate. I'll have a lot of people stick You're the landings over through. the hurdles, but yeah, a lot of different plyometrics are reactive. So I'd say you have to be able to decelerate properly, right? be able to hold the proper position or at least one that's optimal for you where you're not putting yourself at risk for injury and then be able to create force and re-accelerate and do it all over, over again and then get that sequence down. It's a pattern and it's a rhythm. So I think what's required, one of the things in athleticism that people don't talk about a lot is rhythm. That's huge in every sport. If you can think about patterns and rhythm or rhythm gigantic. Is, yeah, if you can find rhythm, it, it, you'll be night and day better than every player in sport it's, it's, it's smooth, your yeah. heart beats on a rhythm like your body moves in a rhythm and if you have rhythm you can learn adaptations quicker when someone explains them to you and like when i'm telling you the timing of things you realize oh the rhythm of my hips and my arms are the same someone without rhythm it's a lot a lot harder to get in that position yeah when you're disconnected like things your momentum's thrown off in different directions and Absolutely. right that's by not biomechanically efficient not at all and so i would say uh, with plyometrics, you need to know what's a what people have trouble with is what's a base to come in at. Like maybe starting with some box jumps is great. Then maybe some reactive hurdle hops or pogo hops, um, you know, things that are lower impact. And then as you start getting better and better, um, 
and have, being able to take on a little more of that force. Like last night, my body wasn't feeling great. I did an intense drill where it's hurdle hop, straight into a big broad jump, straight into another hurdle hop at a higher height, and then you land. And man, my Achilles, my calves, things like that were really hurting. And I'd realized I'd been focusing more on speed the last few weeks. Um, and I hadn't been doing as much of those big landings and reactive changes of direction. And I felt it for a little bit. Um, but that's because I hadn't been getting enough reps in between times. So, you know, it's, it's having, I'd say if you're wanting to do more plyos, you need to do at least two to three days a week, but you don't need to do a ton of reps or a really intense plyo day. The reason I would recommend that over a one day a week is that like our neuromuscular conversation earlier, you're getting that practice and those repetitions with only like two or three days in between, as opposed to like five or six days. And on the one day where you're training plyos, you're probably getting fatigued about a quarter of the way through it. So those reps aren't as efficient or giving you as much. Now, when people are doing plyometrics and sometimes they're overdoing it in the cardio sense of things, right? Mm -hmm. And talk to me about rest periods and rep ranges so that we, you know, can properly program this. Cause I know that some people are like, yeah, I did like 20 in a row. And you're like, well, was the movement quality diminished like halfway through that? Like, like how many do we need to do? I'd put uh, like highly efficient, intense foot contacts. I put them about 35 to 50 a session. If someone is less advanced, you can err on the side of actually higher. You would think lower, right? Higher because they are probably not getting as much force production in their reps. They actually need more practice doing it well. But then the uh, rest is very important for both athletes. I would say the more advanced, you're probably already getting a lot of force production. You're decelerating from a high height. You're doing it quickly. Right. We want a lot of volume, but that volume increases with how high you jump, with how fast you get there. Right. So I would have them on the lower end um, and then resting about like the demands of sport. Right. If you just want to do plyometrics for fitness and health, you want to think of how long does it take for my energy system recover for me to be explosive again? I would recommend a minute and a half to two minutes of standing, not sitting on your phone, (laughs) standing, walking around, taking in what you just did going back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, I think a key that people don't, do very much is they forget about what they just did right after they did mm. it right and so that first that 10 seconds conscious is when you awareness have the most yeah to learn a new skill you just have to like think about how that felt in your body and feel the movement patterns in your head like you you can visualize that you can almost redo that in your brain right and that's another repetition that you could use to help you know speed the process up of learning something absolutely and so there's a lot of ways to implement those plyos and i always recommend for people to Learn it from an expert because it's not one of those things, especially if you're past your high school age, college, and you probably have built a structure from fitness. If you're at this point where you want to do plyos, you can create a lot of force, but you may not be adept to taking it on yet. That'd be like the sports adaptations conversation we were talking about earlier. You might be built like a football player, have all the athleticism to go do it, but can't handle taking hits or blocks or when things don't go your way, right? So because you don't get reps of feeling like that. It's like hitting the mitts for you. If you wouldn't go hit pads, if you take like a week or two off of boxing and then go back, it feels different on your your hips, your hands, your Yeah, my shoulders rotate on lock. It feels like diff- it's, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, but right. uh, uh, and when I ask about plyometrics a lot of times is like I want to dunk a basketball, but how does it translate vertically to horizontally mm. um when you're talking about plyos because like I know sprint speed and like high jump, like they're two different movements, but mm-hmm. like being explosive can help both of them. And so which mm-hmm. like, is there like a ways to target that better if you're going vertical versus horizontal and do they cross over? I love it. Yeah. I think you answered it with your question as well. They do cross over a lot. Depends on what you're trying to do. I would say less sprinting 
with obviously they're going to help each other. They're all benefiting each other. But broad jump, I realize people, a lot of people that have really good vert don't have great broad or lateral, which is one you didn't mention because lateral, it's yeah. more of a technical thing, right? Or they're not used to being in that position. So I have a track girl I could reference, uh, grew up getting to compete with her and watch her succeed really, really highly. Her name's Stacia Ruswat. She's from Rapid City, South Dakota, was an All-American in college, one state in high school in long jump and was an extremely fast hundred runner. I think she might've won both, <laughs> but, um, when we would go to the track and do sprints and drills, she was with us guys and anything vertical or forward, she hung with us, like even the hurdles. It was very impressive. But Stacia knows this too. When we'd go to do like a lateral movement, gets crushed because it doesn't apply to her sport at all. But for her to do it, it benefited her a lot. Even though it was her weak point, she may be 10% able to move laterally each way compared to her 90% forward. Um, but learning that skill gives you more awareness as well. It kind of crosses over. Now, if you're a football player, basketball player, you need to be able to move all those directions. It's just a requirement of your game to be successful. Yeah, I mean, if you're in basketball, like a lot of these are like even transverse jumps. Like mm -hmm. they're, they're doing things in rotation at the same time. And exactly. that's a completely different field than mm -hmm. all the other, you know, planes of motion as well. And that's why you'll see some of our hurdle drills. We're doing rotations. Some of them. If you've noticed, I'll even have a physio ball and I get to like bonk them as they come up. I'll bonk <laughs> yeah. them so they have to kind of land funny. Obviously, I won't do it to the point where we're going to hurt anybody, but I want them to, we need to find that line, right? And so then their, their ceiling is higher for being able to, one, be confident out there and just play and cut it loose. And when that happens in a game, there's not going to be a panic. I'm going to put my hand down, break your arm. There's gonna, you're going to know how to roll out of, you know? So it, it all kind of goes together what we've been talking about. Yeah, I like it. I it's like great. it. I like it. Any any last things you want to bring up before we get ourselves out of here? I know we've talked about a lot of different things already, mm. but um, any major points you want to hit on? No, man. I, I can't think of anything major right now. Do you have anything going on with you, like coming up with your competitions? What's what's happening? Uh, I have been down. So I think this adding these plyometrics, mm -hmm. I want to use this kind of off season to you know, get more explosive and see how that translates to when I bring back a half Ironman later in the year. I'm thinking nice. about doing uh, North Carolina um, with one of my buddies later, like maybe August. I don't remember exactly, but um, yeah. So this beginning of the year, getting explosive, getting more plyometrics and seeing how doing a season of that, layering it back in before going maybe mm. increases my speed yeah um increases my force production while i'm like in a consistent way so that i can you know level up in my sport as well absolutely and i think that you have a better shot than a lot of people with that just for people who don't know woody was pretty explosive for a distance athlete distance athlete is something that came later for you i understand too yeah but i will say like when you're doing your boxing the other day i kind of chuckled because i'm i was laughing you're like oh, i need to get back into plyos you're gonna be fine you're gonna be fine getting right back in it'll probably feel funny the first couple of weeks when you're really going but um for most people that to sum it up quickly if you train really high on the explosive end it pulls from your distance running so if yeah. i went to go run two miles with woody i would be dead my whole day ruined probably but yeah. if i go to the track and run sprints or we're doing explosive stuff i'm good to go i can do it over and over and, and over again for two or three days exactly. yeah, yeah. So, so it's good to get a little bit of taste of both we probably should depending on your goals and if you're not in an event right now that's probably a great way to see what adaptations come mm -hmm. from that and it's not like you're getting off with do, doing no distance running are you yeah no i'm okay. still doing it I I, i've been doing running yeah. i'm on like a everyday run streak i'm on 16 days in okay. a row so, exactly. so i'm going to continue doing that stuff but i wondered if like i know it's going to pull on it a little bit but yeah. i want to be able to add some of that in well someone who does the newbie sitting here for 45 minutes on a podcast sleeps well biohacks as much as you do is very healthy has a much better shot to not have such a big pull to be like a hybrid direction <laughs> yeah, yeah. someone who you know doesn't take care of themselves so yeah. 
I think it'll be good to go, man. I'm excited to see how that how that goes. Yeah, me too. And uh, thanks, dude, for again always coming on the podcast. I'm sure we'll have you on, you know, <laughs> in a month so. or two. You know, yeah. like uh, plenty more. We'll but, see how uh, this one goes. Yeah, hit up TJ. Hit up me if you're ever around to elevate, or yeah. if you want to just like learn something new. We're uh, you know here to help. Yep, I got groups most of the after or Monday, Wednesday, Friday afternoons here in Chandler, and I have a few slots open for groups, maybe one private slot. So reach out if you're interested in learning more about it. Yeah, and uh, one one last thing, I I, 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 I do want to see, do you think, yeah, like, are you predisposed to be a quick twitch athlete yourself? Like you grew up that way, and so, or did you think that you were a slow twitch that built that up over time? It's hard to tell. I, I always you've always admired been a the fast kids. And I admired the, I looked up to those kids, and I, but I was always very competitive. I wanted to beat them. And I, I think about it like w- way more than I think most kids did throughout their day. Things like that. I knew the kids at other schools that were fast and jumped high. So I always wanted that. So did you build that or was like, is there, like, yeah, you never know. Like when I was about four how years much old, is I genetic? Knew, like I wanted that. My dad was a stud at sports. My mom wasn't much into the athletics, but moves well and stuff. But he was very explosive. He's like a big athlete so i'm not sure if it you know came from him or if it was me just wanting to do that and always playing constantly outside so could be both i mean i had a 23 inch vertical my sophomore year of high school and you know i'm looking at 30 years old above 40 right now so it's like i think a lot of it is built uh but i think there's definitely some predisposition depending on genetics load the gun but you you know your consistency you fire it absolutely all right That's a perfect way to end it, brother. All right. Hey, thanks for having me. Yep. And we'll catch you guys next week on The Price for Paradise. My name is Woody and aloha. Aloha.